Howdy. Welcome to 127 on the Mic. This sermon was recorded by our college pastor, John Davison, as we walk through the book of Daniel on Sunday nights here at 127. We believe that God has something unique to teach us and how the book of Daniel points us to how Jesus is the greater Daniel. If you have any questions, feel free to check out our website, which is fbcbryan.org slash college. Thank you. Amen. Grab your Bible, Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to see how these guys in the booth are paying attention. Here, here's the deal. The, the words that we sing um, are so unbelievably important. I've, I've said this to you often, and I need you to, need you to hear it. The, the truth behind uh, songs that, that people uh, write, and then, then we put to music, and then we sing, carries a lot of weight. And, and I think it goes, and I don't, I don't want you to miss what we did. And so if, uh, if, if you guys back there, let's go to the last song. Let's, let's go to the bridge of the last song. See if we can do this. Is this the bridge? There you go. Your cross, my freedom. All right, I, I need you, if, if you're new to church, what, what happened on the cross? All right, the innocent man was nailed to the cross. Already bloody, already near death, already mocked, dies a death that we deserved. It's not, it's not a glorious, <laughs> it's a glorious thing, but it's not a glorious thing to necessarily behold if you're there. It wasn't fun. Caleb, Caleb mentioned this a little bit, but, but Jesus, before he said, not my will, but yours be done, he said, take this cup from me. I, I don't want this. I, I know what it's going to cost. I don't want this. Your, your cross, my freedom, your stripes, my healing, literally beat him to death with, a, with this, this weapon. The cat of nine tells basically there's pieces of leather with rock and glass stuck in it that would stick to his back, and then they'd rip it back off trying to take the flesh off of his back underneath this idea that when he got up on that piece of wood, it would be uncomfortable. That your stripes are, are my healing. Freedom, good. Healing, good. Stripes and cross, not so much. What else is in this song? I'll praise King Jesus for, for what he's done. Glory to God in heaven. What else? Your blood poured out for us, still, still speaking. Your love, this is good, that's the positive side. Still reaching, but it's the love that was displayed by the pouring out of his blood on said cross. What else? I'll praise King Jesus. There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. And we can, we can, keep, we can keep going. You, you, I don't want to miss this. The one who would reach for me, it wasn't just that he's up in heaven comfortable on the throne and he was like, I got you. Lays down all that he was to enter into a womb to join us on this planet to rescue us from sin. What else? We're going through all of these now. You're just reading them fast. Do you see that? Like the proof of all of that was, was in his wounds. And, and, and I say these things to set up Daniel chapter 10 in a unique way. Because we're about to talk about something that's probably not talked about often enough in church. It's pretty difficult, and I'm going to give you this. I'm not going to give you the answer that you probably want in this, but I want to highlight something that's here because your calling as a Christ follower costs some things. Most importantly, what it costs Jesus, and you can, you can take it off of there. We can keep reading it. I, like, I love the song. It, it costs Jesus his life, his blood poured out, sacrifice for you. Like All of those things are true. But, but as you 
lean into and chase after Jesus and try to make him Savior in all of the spaces that you can in your life, then you're promised a few things. And, and there's this idea that we don't talk about enough that's highlighted in Daniel chapter 10 that's called spiritual warfare, where there's the demonic that is battling to, to, just to wreck you. And, and I'm not going to explain to you <laughs> how to fend them off. I'm not going to give you the perfect combination of like garlic and something else to make sure that you're good. I, I just want to show you what, what the Bible says about this underneath, underneath this idea. You can be guaranteed of the reality of spiritual warfare, that it is a real thing, wrapped up in the guarantee that there is victory over it. Some of you are going to be irritated because you're not going to fully understand this, but I want you to understand the victory that's found in it. Uh, Abraham Kruper, who was the prime minister of the Netherlands, theologian, journalist, wrote this. If once the curtain were pulled back and the spiritual world behind it came to view, it would expose to our spiritual vision a struggle so intense, so convulsive, sweeping everything within its range that the fiercest battle ever fought on earth would seem by comparison a mere game. Not here, but there. That is where the real conflict is waged. Our earthly struggle drones in its backlash. This, this claim that comes to life, I think, in Daniel chapter 10, is he said, if we can see the spiritual realm and the war that's taking place, it would make our world wars seem like a game of monopoly. This is the, what is highlighted in Daniel chapter 10, and it's, it's kind of the prequel, okay? So for those of you that are thinking about skipping church next Sunday, uh, read on the podcast, if, or listen, read on the podcast, that's weird. Listen on the podcast for what he does in Daniel chapter 11, because he just opens the door in Daniel chapter 10 for something even kind of more wild. And this idea, this vision, this uh, I, I read it was like a prophetic gem that points us into the spiritual curtain that we're often blinded by and gives us a brief glimpse into the world of spiritual warfare that we often don't pay attention to but should be aware of. And, and I confess to you of being convicted and maybe haunted a little bit by the study of chapter 10 because if the words of this chapter are true, um, and they are, then why do I not pray more? And, and why do I not pray with a different kind of passion and earnestness for people? Why, why do I not understand that our prayers provide a reinforcement for the battles that take place against evil? Why do I not walk in the idea that that our prayers are weapons of warfare that provide the ammunition for the angels as they engage against the demonic forces that are coming to steal and kill and destroy us because of this. Hear me. Our, our prayers matter. God wouldn't give it to us if it didn't matter. Our, our prayers matter. They make a difference in this world and they make a difference in the unseen world. And some of you are like, did not expect this on Thanksgiving. But here's the idea. I bet most of you, when you started a conversation with someone tonight about what you were thankful for, 
it was probably wrapped up in something difficult you walk through. I'm thankful for my mom's health. I'm thankful for a restored marriage. I'm thankful that God sustained me through this or that. And some of it may just be like, man, I'm thankful that I'm rich and I'm healthy and I'm just spoiled. And yeah, declare that. But most of the time, our thankfulness is, is like we're reminded of God's goodness as you've walked through something difficult and he's proven himself faithful. And, and so when we, when we look at this, we have to be reminded of what, what God is doing because of this simple thing that I wrote down. God does not reveal to us everything that our curious minds want to know, but he does reveal to us everything we need to. He doesn't reveal to us everything that our curious minds would like to know, but he does reveal to us everything that we need to know. And so let's just go through Daniel chapter 10. I, want to, I think I've got like four points maybe uh, to make about this, to highlight here, and then kind of land the plane again on prayer because that's just what Daniel keeps doing to us. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, this is the same guy that if you look in chapter 9, verse 1, in the first year of Darius the son, th- these are the same people. Different titles, most commentaries, theologians say it's the same guy. So we're two years after the beginning of chapter 9. The third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who is named Belshazzar. The message was true and was about a great conflict. He understood the message and had understanding of the vision. Now, If you have bold titles in your Bible, you're going to see the vision of the glorious one. This glorious one is an angel that appears to him. We'll talk about who that is. And then you're going to see angelic conflict. Okay, it's just spiritual warfare on display. God has this revealed to him, and and we have to understand this. Spiritual warfare is always wrapped up in divine action because, because of this. In the third year of King Cyrus, the message was revealed. Revealed by who? God, okay? God reveals his word. He is, he is sovereign. He is divinely sovereign. He's sovereign over his word. The revelation of this about spiritual warfare is from God. But then there's a human responsibility tied to this. When, when we see this, the message was true and was about a great conflict. And then it says, he understood the message. That's, he is Daniel How did he understand the message? You look over on mine, it's the next page, to verse 12. Don't be afraid, Daniel, he said to me, for from the first day that you proposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. You understand that he he had purposed himself to understand. He he put forth the the work and the effort. He's asking God for understanding. He's going, hey, would you help me understand this? I want to do the labor to, to possibly understand this. So God reveals his word, and then Daniel seeks to understand his word. God took the initiative to go, hey, here's a vision. But then Daniel had a role to respond to what was given to him and to hopefully understand that. That's Jeremiah 29, 13. If you don't have that memorized, grab that verse. You will seek me and find me if you search for me with all of your heart. There's, there's purpose. You can run after God in the things that you understand and the things that you don't understand. You say, God, would you help me to understand this? And so God reveals. We have this human responsibility to try to understand. And so Daniel seeks the Lord. The Lord answers. And this is such a sweet promise. God is present. God is not silent. And you should be exceedingly 
grateful that we serve and we worship a God who talks. He is not silent. He still speaks. He still moves. His word is alive. It's living and it's active. And Daniel just gets to put this forth. And some of you are like, man, I wish I had this experience. Like, Daniel, I don't think that you do because of what's fixing to happen. But just be thankful that we worship a talking God. Verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I didn't eat any rich food. No meat or wine entered my mouth. And I didn't put any oil on my body until the three weeks were over. He didn't eat. He didn't put on deodorant. This is what we have going on here. And so we, we see that spiritual warfare is divine. It's a divine activity. But spiritual warfare requires of us a reinforcement that is given as we pray. It's, it's a reinforcement that comes as we pray. And, and, and what does he do in the midst of his prayers? This is always wrapped up in Scripture this way. I was mourning for three weeks. I didn't eat. I didn't drink. I didn't have any no meat or wine in my mouth. And so he's fasting from certain things. And we don't know if it's all things, but he's fasting. And, and he has this spirit kind of of mourning over that. He didn't put any oil on his body until the three weeks were over. And so in those days, it's clarified by what we see in verse 4. This is around the time of the Passover, around the time of the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But, but there's a little bit more additional insight that we find. We've mentioned this book a couple times. But if you go back to Ezra chapter 1, and here's the decree from God in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus, same guy, to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it in writing. This is what, the, this is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of the heavens, has given me all of the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem and Judah any of his people among you, may his God be with him, and may he go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he resides, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with a freewill offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. So, so this is the season that they're walking in. And if you continue reading through Ezra, you get to chapter 4, you understand that there's a lot of numbers included in that. Not many people go back. There's not a lot of them left. And then they face this opposition. And Daniel knows about this opposition, and so he's, he's mourning what's happening. We long for it to be rebuilt, but I'm in a, in a season of mourning because of this. And, and so my prayers are wrapped up with prayer and fasting, and God sees Daniel's mourning over his sins, and his heart is heavy. He mourns for three weeks, doesn't anoint his body with oils that would soothe and refresh his skin in the dry climate that he lives in. I don't know if he does this publicly. I don't know if this is a private thing. But what we do know is God sees this. He hears his prayers and his humble heart, and he responds. And, and this is an important aspect of that. Like your humble heart stirs the heart of God. Verse 12, don't be afraid. We read it already. He said to me, from the first day that you purpose to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your prayers were heard. This is just a great approach in mourning, in fasting, and in a humble approach. And this, is what, this verse is fascinating on so many levels. First, God hears Daniel's prayer from the moment he prayed. But like before the words come out of his mouth, I hear. 
And he sent an answer immediately to him. Why? Because Daniel was humble before God. He knew God was in control. He, he knew he had nowhere else to turn. He knew that God was sovereign. He also knew that his prayers would make a difference. And so he lays them before his God. He may not be able to explain why. He may not be able to explain the, the balance between like divine sovereignty and his human responsibility. But he knew that God was real and he knew that God would answer. Corey Ten Boom wrote this. We never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will. He gets us involved in his plan for the answer. If we are true intercessors, we must be ready to take part in God's work on behalf of the people for whom we pray. Like, do you hear that? If we are true intercessors, we have to be ready to take part in God's work on behalf of the people for whom we pray. Which probably is the reason so often that we're reluctant to ask God to do some things. Because you, in the back of your mind, are confident that he'll answer and he'll require something from you. God, would you save? Yeah, if you're ready to disciple. God, would you restore? Yeah, if you're ready to get in there with it. Like, it's easy for us to pray from a distance. And be like, God, would you, would you do that? It's much more difficult when you get invited into the story. But God, in his divine sovereignty, invites us into that. And those two things mesh together. And we have to be ready to take part in the work of God on behalf of the people for whom we pray. D. Duke says this, almost everyone believes that prayer is important. But there is a difference between believing that prayer is important and believing that it's essential. Essential means that there are things that will not happen without prayer. We've read that before. It's just such a strong statement, though. Do you believe that your prayer is essential? Daniel believes that it's essential. He's convinced that certain things would not happen if he doesn't pray, if he doesn't get on his knees and humble himself and fast and pray before God, that it's needed. Spiritual intercession is, is or spiritual warfare is driven by our intercession for it. It's fueled by it. Verse four, we're gonna read all the way through verse 17. On the 24th day of the first month, Standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. So he's about 20 miles from Babylon. I looked up and there was a man dressed in linen, the belt of gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the brilliance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Anybody? Like, like if you don't read that and you're not overwhelmed by the realities of what's taking place that's going to continue to echo, you're broke a little bit. This is, it's a little scary, a little combination of that. You could connect it to some stuff that happens in Revelation and it's sort of the same descriptor and you're going, this is wild. And several years ago, it was popular to talk about these territorial spirits, this kind of thing. I'm sorry, this is going to get weird. Um, talking about these territorial spirits, these are demons that are, designed, are assigned to particular regions, um, to particular governments, to particular institutions. Uh, Peter Wagner, who works at Fuller Seminary, uh, wrote kind of the book on this called, called Engaging the Enemy, How to Fight and Defeat Territorial Spirits. If you walked in and saw that on my shelf, you'd be like, John, what have you been doing? What? <laughs> like, heading over to Austin. I got work to do. I, like, I don't... <laughs> sorry, that was the shot. Well... While some have run the risk of like a, a speculation about angels and demons, it is foolish for us 
if we make light of or ignore the fact of a spiritual realm and of spiritual reality. Daniel 10 is, is making this really clear. One, that angels and demons exist. Two, that angels and demons um, engage one another in spiritual combat. Three, that certain demons and probably certain angels are given um, certain geographical and government assignments. We're going to see who they controlled. Four, uh, our prayers in some genuine measure enter into and affect the battles that are being fought. All of these things are highlighted in Daniel chapter 10. And, and our boy up in Minnesota, John Piper, would say this. I would conclude that there are high-ranking demonic powers over various regimes and dominions and governments and realms of the world, and that they work to create as much evil and corruption and spiritual darkness as they can. They strive to interrupt Christian missions and ministry as much as they can. We see this in Daniel chapter 10, but, but what do we see also from that? So that, that first part of those, those three verses should mess with you. Verse 7, only I... Daniel saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see it. Maybe they heard it. I don't know. But a great terror fell on them. They didn't even see it, and they're scared. And they ran and hid. Can you imagine you're there with your boys? Angel shows up, which, which I think is Jesus. It's just what we call a Christophany shows up at this point. And the sound of his voice makes them run away and hide. And Daniel's left there alone, verse 8, Looking at this great vision, no strength was left in me. My face grew deathly pale, of course. I was powerless. I heard the words he said, and when I heard them, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Some of y'all better be careful when you're praying for rest. He, sometimes he brings it this way. And, and that's funny, but it's also true. He was overwhelmed to the point that, that we just see this. The glory of God revealed to Daniel drained him of his strength. And I think that some of you have a testimony that you've entered into spaces and you've done some spiritual warfare and you may not have even known it and took one of the greatest, like, Jesus-given, blessed power naps that you've ever had not hearing anything, not moving, you're just there, unconscious. And this is what he's walking through. This description of this Jesus, it echoes the same description that we see in Revelation chapter 1 about the Son of Man. And so it, this Christ, the anointed Son of Man who represents the glory and the purposes of God, shows up and reveals himself to Daniel, and Daniel goes, power nap straight to the ground. He can't handle the vision. He's overwhelmed. He's undone. He's, he's wiped out at this point. Comatose. And, and Legion Duncan says this, in the Bible, intimacy with God always leaves its mark. Sometimes good, sometimes like this. And so spiritual conflict can can wipe you out like that. But, but also see this, spiritual conflict can take your breath away. It continues in verse 10. Suddenly, a hand touched me. And so we move from, from this Christophany, which is Jesus, to this angel shows up. A hand touched me and set me shaking on my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I am saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. And after he said this to me, 
I stood trembling. Proper response. Verse 12, don't be afraid. (laughs) Okay. He said to me, for from the first day that you proposed to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. But the, this is, here you go. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Okay, don't be like, okay, there's this guy who tried to show up, but there's this prince of Persia who stopped him. This is, an, this is a spiritual conflict. The, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, an evil spirit, opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, like the ultimate angel, one of the chief princes came to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now he's doing war against a bunch of them. Now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days, for the vision refers to those days. While he was saying these words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and was speechless. Yep. Suddenly, One with human likeness touched my lips. I opened my mouth and I said to the one standing in front of me, my Lord, lowercase l, because of the vision, anguish overwhelms me and I am powerless. How can someone like me, your servant, speak with someone like you, my Lord? Now I have no strength and there is no breath in me. Michael's introduced here. We see him scattered all throughout scripture in New and Old Testament, but Jude verse 9 is a great place. Revelation 12, 7 is a great place. You can just make those notes there on the side of your Bible. In Jude verse 9, he's called the archangel. archangel. There it is. It's called the archangel, which means the first angel or the chief angel. He's been assigned as, or he's been assigned by God as Israel's prince. We see that in 1021. He is great in power. He protects God's chosen people. And These implications here are clear to Daniel that there is an angel that has their back. And so regardless of where they are, regardless of what's going on, regardless of who has them captive, regardless of who is leading them, they have this assurance that no earthly power can come against God's plan because they have this guy. And with the aid of Michael, who also, like the continued prayers of Daniel kind of echo in here, this angel shows up to help Daniel to help the people of Israel, God's chosen people, and the events that proceed and include like the coming of God's kingdom in here, the angel's message is clearly going to be about the end, eschatological. We're looking forward towards the end times. He's talking about for the days that are to come. And once more, Daniel hears all of these things, and hear me, I'm not taking you to a point of understanding this because this is what Daniel does. The angel speaks, Daniel goes down. And now he is what? Speechless. He's taking his his breath away. He can't even respond to the things that he's heard. And in verse 16, he's assisted by this angel, touches his lips, opens his mouth, enables him to speak. And Daniel can talk, but nothing more. Pain has overcome him. Strength has left him, and he can barely breathe. He has said all that he can and nothing else. And and I love this. Dale Davis says, one might wonder if this helpless, sleeping, shaking, speechless, breathless man will ever be in shape to receive the angel's vision. I think he's he's done at this point. 
And, and so you read that and you go, this, this spiritual warfare that, that we're walking through, it, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming in its realities. You read that and you go, this man is drained of his strength. This man is speechless in these things that happen. His breath is taking away, taken away, but then it leads to this promise. Verse 18. Then the one with the human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. And he said, don't be afraid. You who are treasured by God, peace to you, be very strong. As he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So he goes through this understanding of a spiritual reality. He has, a, he has an angel show up and go, I was coming earlier, but prince of Persia and I got into a spiritual battle. It lasts about three weeks. A couple more of them came out, and I, I, you kind of get the hint that this guy's losing. The good guy angel is getting taken down by these, and so the archangel shows up, takes care of all of it, and then he's there. He's like, hey, sorry, I'm late. This is what was going on. I know you're overwhelmed. I know you can't speak, but I need you to hear this. Be strengthened. Be not afraid. Peace be to you. Be very strong. And when he hears that and he's strengthened, then he goes, okay, now speak. I'm, I'm good now. Under this idea, spiritual warfare should result in spiritual refreshment. And this is where the idea of thanksgiving comes into this. As you walk through things and God sustains you through things and you turn your attention to him in good times and in bad times, when you get to the other side of it, then you get to, as we got to experience on this stage this morning, you get to boldly proclaim your testimony of God's goodness, and it brings about a refreshing. It, it brings about a hope. And Chuck Swindoll brings about five insightful observations about these couple verses. One, you can write these down if you want, believers' prayers are immediately heard by God. Your prayers are instantly heard by God. I think we can prove that even before you say them. God, I got you. I need you to go ahead and say it. I know your heart. I know the prayer that's coming up towards me, but they're immediately heard by God. Your prayers are heard. The second one is this. Demonic forces can delay the answer to prayer. He prays. Angel's like, I got your answer. I'm bringing it. War. I don't know what it looks like. I wish I could show you a video, but I don't have that. One day, we'll get to heaven and be like, hey, replay that. I want to know, like, what stopped it? This Prince of Persia, what's this about? Demonic forces can delay the answers to prayer. Wrestling in prayer is exhausting work. If you're going to pray, and you're going to pray in a way that affects the spiritual realm, it will be exhausting. Wrestling in prayer is exhausting work. But following those exhausting moments of prayer, your strength returns, and it returns in extra measure. You are refreshed in an extra way. And so you're going to battle, but following those times of battling in prayer, your strength is renewed. So much so that we read all throughout Scripture. It's like, it's like you're being placed on the wings of eagles. You're lifted up higher. You are refreshed in that way. And then lastly, overcoming demonic forces is not a once and for all matter. Overcoming demonic forces is not a once and for all matter. And here, here's the idea when we see this. I want to put Daniel on, on like the stud level. 
And then I'm going to read this. I'm going to go, spiritual warfare is not for the weak. It's not for the faint of heart. He's not, this is going to be difficult. You're going to be out of your league all of the time. Daniel is overcome. He's overwhelmed. He's knocked off of his feet. He's, he's breathless. The bro is unconscious for a little while. This is, a, this is a, a person of prayer that models it well, and he's overwhelmed. But in that, he receives peace. He receives strength. He receives encouragement. This is the third time that he's touched by a heavenly visitor. And the angel's touch at this point strengthens him. It, re, it restores his energy. And he's told that he's a, the object of God's great love. And then the angel delivers to Daniel this message, this little threefold message. Verse 19, don't be afraid. Your version may say, fear not. It's a good thing to hold on to when you're praying. Hey, fear not. The second one, Peace be to you. I fear not and walk in peace. And lastly, be strong. Fear not. Peace to you. Be strong. Daniel is strengthened and he invites this messenger at this point to speak to him now. Hey, hey, speak to me because I've received the energy necessary to receive and understand this message. And so now bring it. Thank you. I'm ready to hear. And then what does he do? Verse 20. And he said, Don't you know why I've come to you? I must return at once to fight against the prince of Persia. i got unfinished business. And when I leave, the prince of Greece will come. Okay, so so if if you know the history here a little bit, the Persian Empire lasts from 539 until 331 B.C., that means that this angel's like, I got a war to fight and it's gonna be 208 years long. Me and this angel are gonna go at it. And then when that's over, the prince of Greece is gonna come. If you know anything about that empire, 331 to 69 BC. This is the battle that he's fixing to step into. This is what he's fixing to, to jump into. And he's going, I know, like I understand that, that you're going to, you're gonna be strengthened, you're gonna be encouraged, but I'm also gonna give you some insight into this heavenly truth that is going on. Because of this, we're in a battle in the unseen world, engaging between us, these good forces, and the evil forces in a battle for the kingdom of this world and for the souls of men. And so while these evil empires are doing what they're doing, can you imagine, if you just play this game with me, can you imagine what it would be like if these angels weren't fighting the demonic? Can you imagine how evil those places would have been if there weren't angels that were just stopping it a little bit? Did they halt it completely? No. Did they eradicate him from the planet? No, there's a lot of evil that happened then. What did they prevent? He's fighting against these guys. Daniel gets this, guys is a terrible way to say that, against these angelic forces. Daniel gets an insight into not only the earthly, Persian, Greece, but also into the heavenly. And so before he leaves, he informs Daniel, hey, I love this. However, I will tell you what is recorded in the book of truth. I, I love that description of God's word. In the, in the book of truth, no one, this is parentheses, I don't know if your Bible even has the CSB does, no one has the courage to support me against those princes except Michael, your prince. And then he turns and he begins to describe what is fixing to happen with Persia and Greece. And I read that verse, and I'm a little bit irritated at CSB at this point. 
Because I don't like how it says no one has the courage to support me against those princes except Michael. Like, like Daniel's going to go up there and fight in the heavenly. I think that this statement is a little bit misunderstood because I think what he's saying is that not only does no one have the courage, like I understand, Daniel, you're probably not going to come up here, nor do you have the ability to do so, but we don't need anybody else. You understood I was tied up for, for three weeks fighting this guy, and then the archangel showed up, and we just took care of business. I had to deliver this message to you. He knew that was important. We're going to go back and fight. He's going to go with me. They don't have a chance. We're, we're going to sustain them against evil for about 500 years. But, but I, don't, I don't need anybody else. Gabriel, this angel, Michael, they're going to be more than sufficient to carry out God's plans and purposes. Daniel just gets a view into it. And so you read that and you go, all right, John, that was weird. And I agree with you. Hold on to the simple truth. The spiritual realm is a real thing. You're not going to fully understand it. I don't fully understand it. The Bible doesn't give us a completely real picture of it except for the fact that it's completely real. And also sharing with us that our prayers affect it, that we should be praying against it, that we should ask for wisdom for it. Scary, sure. John Piper says this, again, same book, Angels in Prayer. Take the supernatural seriously and realize that we're in a warfare that cannot and should not be domesticated by reinterpreting everything in the biblical worldview so that, so that it fits nicely with secular, naturalistic ways of thinking about the world. What he's saying is like, we see spiritual warfare in the Bible, and you can't try to make it make sense using earthly terms because you will fail. Be ready for the extraordinary as well as the ordinary ways that evil spirits work. Don't be presumptuous as though demons were weak, and don't be anxious as though they were stronger than Jesus. Hear that again. Don't be presumptuous about the spiritual realm as though, as though demons are weak. And don't be anxious as though they were stronger than Jesus. And so you read this, and some of you may have experiences in this already that are going to lead to some conversations, and some of you are just like, what in the world? But here's the truth. No follower of Jesus should be anxious about this. The vision that we see of the glorified Son of God is more than sufficient to sustain us no matter what you encounter. If you would just be quick to look at Jesus. The vision of the exalted Messiah will give you strength to endure the darkest night, the most difficult trial, any situation. And so when you read Daniel, you connect it to Revelation chapter 1 and the, the revelation of Jesus. We see these wonderful, faithful, beautiful portraits of Jesus, who's our faithful priest, who's clothed in righteousness, whose voice is like the roar of thousands upon thousands. And when we say, this is our God, this is who he is, sometimes we get this like soft, like comfortable, ah, oh, this is our God, but this is who he is. He, he fights for you in ways that you don't understand and probably in ways because the Bible's not clear that you have to fully understand except for this. Sometimes you're gonna go through seasons that are difficult. Sometimes you're gonna go through seasons where God strips you of all of your strength. Sometimes an angel's gonna show up and his words are gonna knock you flat on your face. And why does he do that? So then you can recognize who your strength is. 
So then you can recognize where your help comes from. So then you can run to Jesus, letting go of yourself, and be renewed by that, and then go, okay, I'm ready. Daniel, who's a hero, needed that. And God said, nope, on your face, unconscious, nap. Breath away. You can't handle this yet. Wait, I will restore. Now you're strengthened. Now you can hear. And getting to that point sometimes is difficult, but it's refreshing on the other side. That is our hope for us, that God would be the God who renews your strength, gives you peace, lets you walk in this idea of fear not. Here is your courage. There's pain in that process, but the Bible is clear that joy comes in the morning. So as the band comes back up, this is, this is what we're going to pray towards and close with. I, I know, because uh, I've not only heard the stories, but, but I just know, that there are many of you in here that are just walking through um, seasons that you would not call like a spiritual attack, but scripture really clearly labels it as that. There are things that we don't understand that are going on around us that, that you know you need divine help to walk through. And so as we've done the last couple weeks and as we're probably gonna continue to do for a long time, there, there's gonna be leaders and, and people on our prayer team and um, Bible study leaders and stuff that are just gonna be available to pray with you. They're gonna, they're gonna spread out around the back. If you see somebody just back there standing and kind of looking around, that's a great person just to run to. Now hear me, they're probably just as scared as you are right now because you may bring up something and they're gonna go, oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> because there's parts of this that we're just not called to understand. But in that, you are called to run towards Jesus with those things. You go, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need you to bring about understanding. And I need to bring people with me to, to fight this battle together. And so we, we want to do that. If, if you're just walking through a dark space, like sin has overcome you, there's, just, there's something going on in your family, there's something going on in you personally, there's something that, that you know is a battle and you've never really been able to call it that until maybe you read this and you went, oh, like this is a real thing. I've heard people talk about that, but it's kind of been kooky. All right, we don't even get clarity on this except for the fact that it's a real thing. And so why wouldn't you run to God in prayer? And why wouldn't you bring people with it? And so, so that's our heart tonight. Like as you're contending with stuff, we want you to contend out loud. And so I'm going to pray, and then if God's stirring you in that, to ask some of those questions and just to battle together, then you move. And, it, and if not, be praying for, for your brothers and sisters that are doing that, and let's respond and worship as we sing. Remember, when they're singing, you don't have to sing. You, you can be praying, and you can be resting in that, and you just hear words and stuff. Let's just rest in, in the fact that God has this. We don't fully understand it, but he has this. God, we thank you for the totality of Scripture. We thank you for Daniel chapter 10, and I'm just, I've already said it. It's not a, not a space that I like. It's not a space that I really look forward to teaching. It's things full, filled with things that I don't understand completely. And I'm thankful to serve a God who does. I'm thankful to serve a God that, that goes before us, has a knowledge that's greater than ours, It's fighting battles that we never see, It's contending on our behalf. And, and God, like we know in my family, like we're, we're in the midst of just spiritual battles where the enemy's trying to slow things down. He's trying to delay the answer to prayer. God, and we need you to overcome that. And there are prayers that have been spoken in this room by people who, who don't even know what they're saying, but they're just like, God, I need your help. And, and you, you seem to be silent. And they would declare that, God, why are you not answering? And maybe the answer is found in this. 
And so would we humble ourselves? Would, would we lose the ability to, to speak words and just trust you for a renewal? And that you could say, fear not. Here's the joy of the Lord. Be strengthened. And then here's your answer. You're ready. Like you've gotten to the point of being humbled to this point. Now you're ready. And so would you take us to that place tonight? That God, we need you. Probably in ways that we can't even express, we need you. And so would you, would you come and would you restore broken places? Would you bind the enemy from the attacks that many are feeling in this room? Would you bring healing? Would you break the chains of sin? Would you use us to, use us to bring restoration? And would you get credit for all of it? We trust. So move in a way that only you can by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.